Welcome to the Keystone Collective Podcast. Whether you're a dedicated athlete or simply curious about life's boundless potential, this is your destination right here. Every episode, we're here to break down limiting beliefs and empower your journey towards becoming the best version of you. Let's get going. Lewis. And and do you um do you go by Lewis or Luis? Luis, Lewis doesn't Luis. matter. Yeah. I just use uh, so much my Canadian version that it was just yeah, <laughs> it's it's good anyway. Either or. <laughs> um cuz you you live on an island now. You moved you moved your family to an island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's good man. Yeah, we definitely need a change. So we decided to take on this venture and come to the Dominican Republic, and here we are today. How's that? How's that been? How, and how long have you been there for? Uh, it's been six months now. Six Crazy. months. We left Canada October last year, and yeah, so all together it's been over a year now. Because yeah. we were we spent some time in Mexico with my in-laws, and my wife had surgery, and then we took it as an excuse to. Might as well do. She had a surgery in Mexico, and we took it as an opportunity to take a trip. Yeah, and it's been over a year now. That's crazy. How how are your kids adjusting? Have they? Have they're they... good. Yeah, they're they're good. They're loving it. They're just at the beginning was a little different for them, I would say, but uh, now I think they they embrace the opportunity. Now we um, they became so resilient, and they were doing homeschooling. Well, they're still doing homeschooling um they did the homeschooling through the pandemic then they went back for a year at school and then we we just decided to take this journey so they didn't go back to school yeah and and then they do they prefer that like have they ever questioned um about wanting to go to a public school again or are they happy they they were at the beginning because they were to be honest as as parents we were not really good either on the homeschooling system I mean, we're, yeah. we need to take, we need to take our blame <laughs> as rookies as well. But uh, this year we're way better set up. Uh, my my wife did a lot of research and they, we signed him up in different programs and different activities. On uh, we got him a laptop too, so they do a lot of online schooling instead of just mm-hmm. doing like like books and stuff like that, which was pretty boring. So yeah, now we're way better way better set up this year. It's it's honestly because I think what's really cool about it is seeing some of the videos that you're posting about just you know running errands around town, uh, and yeah. you're you're always around your family. Yeah, which I think is you 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 don't get that anywhere else, right? Like because no. I think you're uh, you're from Alberta, um, and I, I'm in Alberta as well, and it's you don't yeah. you don't really you can't really do that. No, the biggest the biggest change we find it's we don't live weather dependent here. Yeah. Back home, I mean, back in Canada. I mean, I'm originally from Mexico City. So then we moved into Canada. And then it was great. The first five years, amazing. But then you get up and then you're like, oh, check the weather. The first thing you do. and Absolutely. What do I have to and, a t-shirt like or a sweater? Yeah, it's going to be. And being in Alberta, it could be a t-shirt, uh, snow pants, and flip-flops the <laughs> yeah, same yeah, day. Yeah. It's, just, it's just a different story there. So, I mean, we were we were fine. I mean, I still like Canada. I mean, it's a beautiful place, but it was um, it needed needed a break. So here we are. That is so cool. I uh, I was living with my parents. Um, my wife and I and our two kids. We were they they have a second residence, and they didn't have any fiber optic. And at one point, they had two different Wi Fi's. Um, and then when we got there we ended up getting Starlink as well. So between us all, oh, we had three yeah, yeah. different providers, which was a bit crazy. Um, how much of a, a shock was it though? Cause I know being in DR, um, I, I'm assuming that there's probably a couple of the main cities that have, you know, more <laughs> of your, your usuals, but, but the, the further yeah. you get out, the, how, how, how was adjusting to that, especially coming from, you know, Alberta where it's all the you know, commodities. Yeah. All the commodities. Yeah. Over here. I mean, it was, it was challenging, but we were, we were, ready for the change i mean you you get so used to just like you know browsing overnight and then amazon shows up the next day at your door yeah here just amazon alone is just you order through amazon usa it goes to uh uh 
uh, P.O. box in Miami. <laughs> from Miami, it takes the ship. So by the time it gets here, it could be two weeks. Yeah. There's no there's no drop shipping to your door. It's I mean we're we're in a small town. It's yeah. not like San Domingo or anything, which is the big city, but where we are is the it's a shipping it's a drop ship location. So everything gets to the one stop, and then you go over there and then they search for your mail. Oh my gosh. Wait, and then they, they search for it, so they don't necessarily even have like so yeah, you know the you get a notification that it came to the to the PO box to the PO box in Miami, then you know that it left. You know it arrived to Santo Domingo, but then it goes into a bus or a truck somewhere, and then it just makes it to our part of the island. So yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I've, that's that's probably you know in a way when you look at it, if you were really if you just ordered that one little piece or like that one little cord that you needed, and then yeah. it shows up three weeks later, you're like, I didn't even yeah. need this anymore. Like it wasn't even that big of a deal. It it removes the um that urge to just press the button and ship it, you know? Yeah. It's like, do I really need this? Because you can be like, okay, it's 20 bucks. Great. But then it shows up and they charge you an extra $7 per pound. Yeah. So you go like, do I really need this? This $20 thing is going to cost me 45 at the end. If it's oh like heavy, you're like, nah, no, thanks. no, I'll go make it with I'll- sticks. <laughs> I can make it with sticks. I can find something that it's, I don't know, similar, or I'll just wait until I go to the city. You go to Santo Domingo, there's big malls over there. There's big things there. You're like, should I just wait and then rent a car and then make a trip out of it and then grab a couple of things together? Yeah. So you, what, what we find is we, we're not collecting things anymore. We're collecting mm-hmm. experience, which is way better for what we want to accomplish here. Well, I, I just think that I think most people, because even even just from what you were saying so far, it would probably turn off a lot of people. You're like, what do you mean? What oh, do you yeah. mean? I can't just go rent a car. What do you mean? I can't just drive five minutes and get whatever I want. But I would I would just blame that on being complacent that you've just been surrounded by instant gratification for too yeah. long, where you think that these things are just normal, where you can order right. and even like. In, in depending on where you live, you can order something on Amazon and it's there within a couple of hours. Yeah. You'll get you it before have, you sleep. It's literally. Pizza. And, and, and just being exposed to that for so long, what is it actually doing to you? So it, it's, it's really unique because you know, when, when you have people who have stories like this, where they move their family and you just said it, you know, we're, we're collecting experiences instead of things. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think if you take some of those people who are turned off by that, and you put them in that place long enough to really give it an honest effort yeah. at living that way, I, I, I'm I confident that they would end up changing their minds and having a, a respect for that. Yeah. But we just we just realized it's not for everybody as well, right? I mean, we yeah. got, got friends, some friends from our friends that live here that are from the same area that we're in Canada. And they're just like, yeah, man, we're going to be there. It's going to be great. We're going to be there for six months. We're going to make the best out of it. <laughs> It's going to be awesome. We can't wait to have like that, you know, slow down and really take in. And then the adventures and the experiences, they're going back to Canada tomorrow. Oh, geez. Two months. That was it. it. It's like, I'm bored. And like, how can you be bored? You have literally thousands of miles of island space with beaches and I think it's intent, right? Because I mean, if 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 they were they were only planning to be there for six months, and so they knew that they were going to go home, so it's almost like uh, a vacation, like an extended vacation, where they were just going to like it. It seemed better than in quotations it actually was, but it's because they were comparing it. They were comparing that instant gratification where you can get anything whenever you want with ease, versus oh, maybe it does take you know I can't just you know rent a car and go wherever it, it, maybe I have to walk or maybe, you know what I mean? Like some of those more simple things, but yeah, yeah I just, that, that's funny. That's funny. And, yeah, um, and we're like, well, fine. Just go back. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's, it's winter. Yeah. It's actually, um, we're, we're recording this right now. It's uh end of November. So yeah. You're heading back to the winter. Like how do you, Good luck. the tropical Island to <laughs> go to where you're going to encounter, but by all means, just go and do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you moving, you also 
own a business yeah in alberta how how was that how did you uh come across that because i know you're by uh by profession you're a, a chef yes and so yeah if you want to chat about that a little bit i'd love to to hear more. so yeah i mean to be honest the the pandemic was a big eye-opener for us i mean i every every winter we get a little bit of the winter blues and stuff like that but i mean nothing that could we couldn't handle um the year before we came here well, we left to go to Mexico. My wife got like depressed, like I've never seen her before. And it just, it was a, like a big kind of red flag for me. And like, this is, we need to do something. We need to change, right? Because every year we had, after we analyzed the aftermath of everything, we, we, we realized that every year we had something to look forward to since we moved to Canada, right? First year is your first winter, you do things and, and everything, every year was something we, we, we did a month in Europe. The next year, we did a month in Thailand. Then we had a baby. Then we moved to a different city. Then we bought our house. Then we bought the business. So every year was something except for the pandemic years. And then we had literally nothing to look forward to, right? Every year, we go back to Mexico and visit our families. We couldn't for two years. So everything kind of piled up. So that gave me an, uh, another vision on the restaurant as well. I mean, I love what I do. I mean, there's there's no... There's no doubt about that. I'm passionate about food. I'm passionate about people and service. And being the, having a restaurant was my my old time dream. That was that was it. It's like if I'm gonna work for somebody, I'm gonna work for myself. But that came with 14 hours, 16 hour days, right? Especially so, the uh, food, what... the food industry. I don't think people even have an idea oh, of geez. how much work. Especially if you're on top, if you own it, right? Everything oh, right. is resting on your shoulders. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That was my first experience. I mean, I've, I played with other people's money for a long time, right? But now I was playing with, now I was playing with my own deck of cards. So I was like, okay. So <laughs> I don't know if I like and, this. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to risk anything. I didn't want to make sure it kind of worked out, right? It was my 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 lifetime savings and my family's future and everything. So, the kids were really young, so that was that was also like good in a sense. So they didn't realize a lot of me not being there for the longest time. They were going to school. They were doing their things. But they started becoming a little bit more aware of me not being there, especially in the weekends and parties and barbecues and and stuff like that, because I need to be at the restaurant. So the pandemic came in and then they're like, all right. So the kids pretty much moved into the restaurant with us because they were now the um there were no schools and then they couldn't we were not having anybody allowed at the restaurant right so the doors were locked it was only delivery drivers coming in so we turned the bathroom into a playroom and there were <laughs> oh man it, for whatever reason the restaurant i bought they has like these massive washrooms so they literally like, like okay <laughs> they were like Fine. We let the we cranked the door open. We brought a TV, and some lunch chairs, and they were they were <laughs> living at the restaurant. Literally, we got pictures. It's crazy. So that was the entire pandemic. They were help us like give the food to the drivers, put it on the table. They were wearing their masks. They were doing their things. So I was just like, man, I wish we could have spent more time with these little guys, right? Mm -hmm. And we started kind of carving up a plan, doing their thing, and then. We decided to take a pay cut. I mean, the restaurant is still doing really good, but I decided to take a pay cut. And I'm like, why if I hire somebody that I don't have to be here all the time? So it was kind of a work in progress. I hired a manager. He turned out to be a phenomenal guy, like unreal, mm -hmm. unreal, driven, responsible, everything. I mean, after six months of uh, kind of doing it with him, I start showing up less and less and less at the restaurant. Things, I mean, the clock was already going, right? So the, it was a well-oiled machine by that time. And he just keeps it moving. I mean, it's been, I mean, I've been away for more than a year. Mm -hmm. So we do weekly meetings. We kind of touch base every day. I look at the cameras. And it was, uh, the biggest thing for me was not him being there. It was not, it was me not being there and really trusting the process. And well, a hundred percent, that, that was my first thought, right? Like this, like you mentioned, this was your dream and then you finally yeah. had it. And then you kind of realized, you know, through the pandemic, it's like, wow, maybe I have other priorities, but how do you just give up essentially one of your babies? 
right? Yeah. Like you put so, you had so much invested in this and, and yeah. now you're like, Hey, well, I value these things and I want to, I want to move over here. And so you, you made it happen, but emotionally, like how, how difficult was that? The first six months of the detachment was, it was hard. It was hard. My, my body was in Mexico, but my mind was in the restaurant. I was checking the cameras, like, I don't know. 25 times a day it was just i was checking the sales i was checking the drivers and uh we got a google review and i was almost fainting before i opened the email and just like fuck man and and then one day i just realized like i just can't live like this i just can't live like this so that's when i was i was eating a lot i mean i was having a great time but i was like after not being in mexico for so long i was stuffing my face with anything and everything that i that I kind of remember, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was savoring all those moments. I was having drinks with friends and it was it was great. But all of a sudden I, I kind of look up and I'm like, oh shit, man. It's been <laughs> like it's been like 20 pounds since we came. <laughs> it happens. You get kind of you get consumed really did, yeah. with. And it's it's hard. And I think I think that's kind of where we met. We met through a, through Taj, a coaching yeah. program through Taj. Um yeah. And you're through that. We really both um, ended up having like really, really solid routines. And I think, I think you were on the highlight, like you were always on that highlight reel uh, with your uh, fitness accomplishments. How, how has that journey been having, finding more structure and. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was life-changing. I mean, I met great people like you and a couple others. And then Tash was instrumental, I think having a having a coach and know when you're, whenever you're starting kind of doing this i was like yeah we all need somebody right we all need somebody this is i never thought like i always thought like this life coach it was just the, the biggest bs in the planet and i was like yeah. no man it's just no i can i can handle this myself but no sometimes we can't well so, my 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 biggest thing and this was like a couple weeks in um i had a moment where i was like he's not telling me anything that I didn't already hear before. And I was like, why am I paying him all this money to do? Like, I already know. And then I had this very humbling thought and it it was, if I, if I had already known this, wouldn't I have already been successful? Yeah. Would would I had not have already done all those things. If I already knew it, why wasn't I in the place where I wanted to be? And I think that you you just said it, right? Everyone always, everyone needs some, someone, you need someone to help guide you. And, Mm -hmm. and just give you that, that, you know, give it to you straight because it's hard to find those people. And most people don't have, um, someone in their life that'll be honest with them. Yeah. Right. Especially around fitness, right? Like, can you imagine someone coming up to you and being like, Oh, you look a little, you know, that's 10 pounds you put on now. You're like, (laughs) what? Yeah. Pants don't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, uh, I, 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 I can't even remember my life now without having any kind of fitness routine in it. Um, like it's, it's weird. It's weird. Like when you, when, when life gets a little bit busy and you end up missing, like maybe say like a week, or even five days, it's like, Oh, oh my geez, gosh. Bro. And it's, it's not even like the, the, you know, just the, the not going to the gym, but it's like your body. Like I, I honestly start hurting not because I went yeah. to the gym, but because it's like, I haven't, I haven't done anything in like, like four or five withdrawal. days. Yeah. Like withdrawal of not doing anything. It's just bad. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. And, and the, the, the fact that you were doing that throughout this transition of kind of like moving and you mentioned your wife had surgery and like that, that, that would probably be a lot to handle. How was that um, mentally for you with, with trying to balance good. all those things? It was, yeah, it was, it was fun. But like I said, it's, it, I think it was the support that, uh, that makes me, that made me help like balance and juggle all those things. The wife was doing okay. That was uh, kind of a big fear of mine, like having major surgery. And I was like, okay, she's going to recover fine. But still in the back of your mind, like, what if something goes wrong? And, and I mean, knock on wood, everything was fine. We're, we're a year out. She's doing great. But um, I was not good. I was not in a good place mentally. I think you can, I thought I had everything kind of going right for me, but my mindset was not 
on the right spot. So that was kind of the last thing to kind of dial in. And that was kind of that was kind of the biggest thing for me to be like, okay, this is gonna happen either if I want it or not. Life life happens to you. You're gonna throw curveballs at you, but you just need to be ready. That's yeah. That was kind of the biggest thing. Yeah. And I think um even even with my wife Chelsea, one thing that we have grown pretty fond of. Uh, I'm sure you've heard the saying too, but you know, if just, just on the topic of, of being healthy, like that's, that's the most important investment you can make in yourself is being healthy because how are you supposed to enjoy company? How are you supposed to enjoy the experiences? How are you supposed to enjoy anything if you don't have a healthy body that you can enjoy? Yep. And it's not even like, you know, if you're not going to the gym that you're not, you don't necessarily feel ill, but it's, it's, you're susceptible to chronic illness, you're susceptible to, you know, how many other things it's, and, and not even mentioning like the, 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 the mental health aspects of it, right? Like the, the confidence you gain from going, having a routine like that, but also the dopamine that you earn from doing hard things just makes your life that much better. And I'm, w- w- did you have like a, um, a wake up call at all? Like with, with any family members or any close friends that have had any like health scares where you're like, Oh my gosh. So I feel like that's, that's a a very common thing for people is someone has a heart attack and like, Oh, I got to go run on the treadmill like today. Right. (laughs) And it's like, okay, it's, it's not a bad idea, but like, not a bad idea, but that was the wrong motivation. But yeah. Um, no, it was literally, I just one day looked at myself and like, I went to visit family and then everybody was like, so happy to see you, blah, blah, blah. Nobody said anything, right? But then I was like, yeah, here's the pictures from today. And I look at the picture like, what the fuck? So like, yeah. <laughs> and I like, I was, I think I was wearing the same t-shirt that I'm wearing. Like, man, like I couldn't hide shit, right? It was just like, yeah. yeah. It was terrible. It was so an I honest at- photo. <laughs> It was it was a known-as photo and uh, not no time to be like oh let me just maybe just give it my best angle and just kind of yeah. hide it a little bit <laughs> tuck it in nothing and I remember I came back from that trip and my wife was like how's the trip and I it was it was good it was it was fine I just kind of see everybody and everybody's good and as you're pulling the Peloton box into your house <laughs> yeah and I was just like and I saw my and I saw a couple of my friends and I was like I also kind of realized that they were. I don't know, a couple of pounds heavier. And I was like, man, this is, this is, this is not good. We need to, to kind of reevaluate what we're doing. And, um, and I did literally on that trip. I, yeah, I saw that one ad from Tosh and I was like, I'm doing it. And in the afternoon I signed up. I'm like, yeah, this is starting how, to how do you renew your, your own expectations, but also like your, determination because i feel like um you know when when you when you're when we're talking about motivation it's it's a lot easier to feel motivated in a very comfy bed is how i like to to work you know what i mean like if you're watching like the amazing race and they're doing something amazing and you're on your couch like oh that would be so awesome i'm gonna do that um but then you know you 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 set your alarm clock because you, you're going to start training the next morning and it's it's you know minus 40 it's awful out whatever it is are you going to get up probably not because yeah. it sounded a lot cooler on the couch and yeah. so how what 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 have you found to kind of renew that because you know having that that inspiration to to get healthier to get to get fit mm-hmm. it only goes so far yeah what roadblocks did you hit and how did you get over them I think for me it was the biggest thing to start kind of training my mind instead of just my body. Um, I always, I was a firm, I was a firm believer that you need to get motivated in order to kind of achieve great things and you just need the motivation to do it. But, but then I just came to realize that after hearing podcasts and reading books and kind of listening to people and, and then one day it just clicked like freaking motivation is like a warm bath. It's you get one day to like, yeah, this is great, man. This is great. We're gonna do this. And all of a sudden, like somebody shuts up the water and like, eh, no. So I I changed that for discipline. That was kind of the biggest, the biggest thing. I after kind of writing and kind of journaling and everything, I kind of look back at my journal. Like I think it was the one day, I think it was four weeks in when I came 
I don't know if it was a podcast or something that I listened or read or a book that I read, but it kind of stuck with me. It was just, it just became a rule for me. And it was, uh, the days that I feel like doing it, I'll do it. And the days that I don't feel like I want to do it, I must do it. So just like, I didn't, I didn't, uh, how do you I mean, not pat yourself great... on the back though? And that I think like I agree with you 100%, but I feel like when when you get some of the gurus or when you get the people that are telling you like, "Oh, well you have to listen to your body and you know, it, it's going to tell you what to do." It's like, you know, it's going to tell you lies is what it's going to do. But how do you your how body, do you push through? Your brain that? is how there to defend that? you. Your yeah. brain your brain is there to defend you it's like, "Oh, it's hurting, buddy. We're we need to rest. We need to rest." And I I think in what I took from like learning to know your body is for me was is it hurting because it hasn't moved in like 10 years? But it's hurting <laughs> because it's really injured. Yeah. And I, feel I like there's a realization that I was, it's a big difference. You can tell right away. You can yeah. lift in weights. Like, oh, man, this, this is going to hurt tomorrow. But it's going to hurt like injured myself or, or like we need to do this more often so it doesn't hurt. So I think one of the biggest uh quotes also i mean i'm i'm think i'm a kind of a quote guy by just talking about it but <laughs> but um kobe bryant that was i'm a basketball fan at heart and kobe bryant and his death just literally, literally got me in tears but many anyway, that's a different story but um one of the biggest things he said like i made a contract with myself i'm not negotiating with myself once you start set up your training program set up what you're going to do it's just like you just quiet that inner bitch and be like, nope. If you listen it for five seconds, you're done. Mm -hmm. For me, you're done. Like it happened to me this morning. It's like I woke up 5.30 and I'm like, eh. roll over with my wife, just give her a hug. And I'm like, it's kind of warm. Yeah. Okay. And then I negotiated with myself this morning. I didn't go to the gym. So I was like, no. If I start hearing about it, I'm just like, nope. I just like I just start doing the countdown from five to zero, and then at zero I wake. I I just stand up. Yeah, and I feel like there's a, a myth that once you get once you've done it for a while, if you if you still if you become complacent in that with that new level, you still can fail. And even then, even even without mentioning that, it's just because you get good at it doesn't mean that you don't have the same temptations or you don't face the same feelings that everyone else does, right? Like, you know, the people that get up early, it's not because they just love getting up early without, you know what I mean? Like tr try waking up in a warm bed and you're totally comfortable and, and your wife is right there. You can just roll over and you know, all is well. You have, it, it's, uh -huh. it's the same experience for everyone. So no one's yeah. immune to that. It's just like you said, yeah, you start negotiating. You've already lost. You lost, yeah. You start hearing about the conversation, like getting into your head, you fucked. Like, no, yeah. just, just get up. Just get up. Although, I, I must say, it's probably maybe a little bit nicer to wake up on an island instead of uh, Alberta minus 50 with wind chill. Yeah. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> a, l a little bit. That helps. That 100% helps. But, I mean, we also not, we didn't want to get too comfortable here. Because yeah. we're, you could have, we could have gone for like the bigger house and the bigger this and the bigger that and the air conditioning. It's like, What's we decided to, yeah, no, we just decided to live in a small apartment, just a block away from the beach. No air conditioning, nice, nothing. We're just, we're just living here. Just being, having that freedom that to be just like, oh, let's go to the beach. And you put some trunks on and then you're a couple steps down instead yeah. of having all the, Oh, I'm having the nice facilities and the big pool and the air conditioning is like, oh, we're just back to basics. That's what we wanted to do here. Um, so knowing you had a dream and you you got that from owning your own restaurant, you still own it. Um, moving now to DR and you've been there for a while. What's mm -hmm. on your radar? What's life like for you now? Because I, I, from what I've seen, you're still uh, you're you're doing a few things. Your schedule is still pretty busy <laughs> which is bad. which is uh respectable yeah i mean uh, the first six months that i was in mexico i just literally was not doing it 
And that was part of also kind of leading into a little bit of depression. I was like the idea of being kind of semi-retired at 40. I was just like, it's good, man. We made it. <laughs> this but then I was like, I'm like, fuck. I look in the mirror like, dude, you're 40. God knows how long, how much longer you're going to have in this planet. But average says you're halfway there. we got another 40 years. What the fuck are we doing? Yeah. So that was another wake up call, like six month vacation. That was fun. But let's we need to get back to it. We need to get back to it. So I went back to Canada and then I started a from the same restaurant. We I started a ghost kitchen. It's called. So I created a different brand for the restaurant to get an additional mm -hmm. revenue. And that and then I negotiated a couple of deals with kind of a brewery so we can get our own beer. So that was that. So that kept that kept me content over there with the restaurant. I was like, that's fine. I, I did a little bit of tension there, but now we're in the island here. So I'm doing private chef services for the uh, luxury villas that are over here. So that how's that, dude? That sounds awesome. I've seen some oh, of man. your plates. They look amazing. Oh, thanks, man. That is my true passion. Also, also, I find like in the industry, like getting into the rush of, of what we do every day and then Sometimes you get into like in a, in a routine that kind of the, the passion of the creativity starts fading away. Just you go in, you prep the same items, you cook the same food, we change the menu a little bit, but the core is the same. So you get to see the same people, which is amazing. I mean, mm -hmm. get the customers and everything else. But as chefs, we need to learn. We need to reinvent. We need to be be creative and come up with different things and for me just kind of hopping onto the island and looking all looking at all these vegetables like geez i've never seen you before so I just like buy it and peel it and boil it and fry it and this and that and like oh okay now i can and now i know what i can do for you getting in touch with all these seafood that is around is just like unreal so getting getting into the seafood things and i don't know it just it just sparked the the um my passion for what I do again. I'm just kind of reading books and watching videos and doing trainings and like burning things and you know, a chef's doing, dream. <laughs> chef's dream, yeah. What's what's more profitable um, in the world of chefs? So having your kitchen and having like your standard menu, um, you're buying you know the, the same ingredients. You probably have some good deals, but then when you're making some smaller samples as say like yeah like a private chef or a luxury chef um mm -hmm. with higher grade ingredients i imagine and and you're not necessarily just buying the food right like it's not a drive through experience where you're just covering the cost of the the products itself plus a little markup you're it's 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 an experience as much as it is almost like a creative medium from a chef right like it, you're you're putting your expertise and your passion as an artist and and calling it food and then as yeah. some, like a consumer who's buying that you i would be paying you to do that on my plate and then i get to eat it mm -hmm. but it also takes a little bit more time versus you know your standard kitchen so what what is it more profitable being on the higher end of things um it's not so much on the higher end i mean in a in a restaurant there's a couple of things that we always have to kind of take care of is you Let's say it's a 30 item menu and then you got your sellers, you got your 10 to 12 that are always best sellers, right? So, you know, you're going to always sell out of those and you got a consistent prep that kind of goes uh, next week, your other 10 second best sellers could change. And all of a sudden you're either extra prepared or not prepared at all. So you get the ones that you know, you're going to sell. And then you get your prep list. Okay. An average, we sell 10 of these ones a week. Then you get the week that you sell 20. And I'm like, oh, shit. I got to prepare next week for, I don't know, 15, 17. Then the following week comes and you sell three. So it's a, it's a different game that you have to play, the kind of the guessing game about how close can I get it? to being right without running low or without throwing anything in the garbage. Well, how, right? and how the heck do you do that? Like, I mean, even as like a parent dealing with toddlers, you know, good luck yeah. trying to figure out what they're going to eat. So you buy all the berries, but then that's the week that no one buys the berries and you end up having to be creative. So you start, Oh, they're, they're onto smoothies. So I can just throw these into that. But if mm -hmm. you have a menu that 
maybe doesn't use all of the same, like they don't share all of the same ingredients. Yeah. What do you do? Cause then, like you said, like you're, you're left with, you know, boxes and, and, and packages of, of this one item. And you're like, I can't just like blend it up and put it in their smoothies. Or is that what you do? Right. No. I mean, that's when the specials come into play too. Right. Oh, so, okay. So then you see you all of a sudden come with, come to this restaurant. The special today is, it's a, soup the chef got creative and they're like oh look at what i'm pulling out for the customers or b this is about to go bad and we're gonna sell it to you like stat yeah so for for us for example we sell a lot of burgers uh it's a diner so beef start going or the elk patties start going there so we just repurpose it cook it and then do an elk lasagna right or something that it's already starting the cooking process that is not going to spoil. Yeah. Right. So little things like that, but going back to kind of the higher ticket items, that is, it's not that they're like higher ticket. I mean, they, they require more finesse on our side, but also you'll be like, okay, I'm feeding five people at seven. I need five fillets. I need 200 grams of rice. I need, you know, okay. you, you go specifics the waste is minimum and it, and if something kind of goes up i mean i have to have dinner too so like <laughs> yeah by all means <laughs> i'm feeding myself <laughs> so you make a little bit extra just in case something happens i usually like to go with an an extra portion just in case some the server drops it or i burned something by accident or i don't know this salt shaker all of a sudden opens and it's just disaster yeah but um, for the most part it's 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 a higher ticket but you control more your variables and you know exactly how many people you're cooking for so that that makes it yeah what's what's your signature dish one that maybe you've just found deep inspiration or you've created through you know an accident i can't believe i have to try to see if i can recreate this like what if 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 i came to you right now and said cook me the best thing that you can cook what is it i mean i i love i'm a sucker for risotto uh, okay and i do um this last one over here i, I cooked them a, a white truffle and lobster risotto whoa it was freaking phenomenal i can't say that i've had that but it yeah, sounds it's, fantastic it's freaking phenomenal let me see if i can find a picture here it was just it was it was good I'm not gonna I, lie so being a chef when, when you see some ads or when you see some um, different like TV commercials, or if you're watching a whole episode on some of those cooking channels or the, mm -hmm. the cooking competitions, do you, do you find joy in that where you're seeing these chefs and like, why are you doing that? Why don't you use this? Like, do you feel like you, like, are you thinking in your mind that you could do it better while they're, sometimes, while they're on the show? Sometimes you can. Sometimes I'm like, man, I don't know how they pulled that off. Um, <laughs> That's not I mean, what I saw. Yeah. Whenever, in my mind, whenever you really know that the work is behind what we're putting on a plate and all the hours of training and all the all the blood, sweat, and tears that we put into what we do, I have the deepest respect for anything in my industry. Anybody and anything that happens in my industry, I have the deepest respect because I know what happens behind that kitchen swinging door. Yeah. So, so for me, it's whatever they put on a plate, they... They had a reason, or at least I hope they have a reason, to uh, to kind of bring it out, right? So for me, it's just yeah. For me, it's the deepest respect. I I will never, when I go out for a rest in at a restaurant, I will never send a plate back, unless it's I mean raw chicken, but <laughs> I will never send a plate back if they bring me the wrong stuff. I will never send it back. I was like, if I order ribs and they bring me chicken, I'll I'll, I'll eat the fucking chicken. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. They had they had bigger shit to to do if they were making these kind of mistakes, right? So I'm not, yeah, I'm not gonna that, make a big yeah. That that's a that is a good point, and it it's it's almost like there. I'm sure there's a lot of people. I'm one of them too. That when you either have like a family member or even like you're eating out with friends and they make yeah. a big complaint or they kind of critique the meal you're like oh well i didn't really these were a little undercooked and these were a little overcooked it just, like i just feel so awkward in in like just being that's like why are you saying that like it doesn't matter like my my 
one of my biggest things when, if I'm deciding to go out for dinner, either feeding like myself and friends or myself and my family, one of the reasons why I'm going to a restaurant is because I don't want to cook myself. So honestly, three quarters of what I'm paying for is the convenience of having someone else cook my food. And if, like, you know, like you said, if, if you ordered the ribs and they bring you a chicken, well, is it any better than what I would have done at home? Probably, probably. Yeah. And if, if I was complaining that much, I should have just stayed home and made and made it. If, if yeah. I'm saying yeah. that I'm that much like, and so it, I, I get frustrated because it's like, just shut your mouth, just eat the food. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was just the only, the only time that I'll be like, maybe reading, oh, that could have been done a little bit better. That was a little bit overdone. If I was in a Michelin stars restaurant somewhere, that I'd be like, dude, come on. Yeah. This is this is what you live and breathe. Yeah. Yeah. So but if it was something, if it was something else, like man, like I said, they have they have bigger fish to fry. You don't know if table twelve is being a dick. Yeah. Or you know, and and to be honest, man, we a lot of my friends, just chefs, we all go for this kind of I don't have it, but they all go for this crazy tattoo that the freaking printer is here. <laughs> And the roll of paper goes. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> all the way over here, man. When that printer starts going, you know it's freaking go time. Yeah. So How... you. No, sorry. You can finish your thought. You might have missed. Read some. Something you might be different. Take the wrong plate, the wrong table. Yeah. With all the modifications that oh, it looks like chicken, but that was not the right chicken. So, yeah. I don't know things like that. How how hard was it to adjust to? Number one, you're already a chef, so you you already know how to cook. You can you can manage that. But now, when you're talking about a whole company, a whole brand, and now you have to worry about menu design and aesthetic, like how 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 much of a learning curve was it for you to get to that point where you were confident and and you could see that your work was actually turning into profits. Like when we got the restaurant? Yeah, exactly. Like when yeah, yeah. The, the change that you had to make, because did you have a background in, in, in brand design or anything like that before? Or was that? Um, to be honest, it was, it was a, it could have been a, a big, big learning curve, but I was, I was really lucky. All my background in uh, hospitality since I started working with 20 years ago in this industry, um, it's all been hotels pretty much hotels so the uh, the support system infrastructure is it's unreal you got your hr department you got your branding department you got your marketing department you got you have to worry about your own restaurant and your operations right you go to meetings and then everybody's there to help which is amazing right so you become a phenomenal operator at least on on my experience then you move up the ranks and you start kind of dealing with the numbers and you start dealing with with other kind of things they have to manage you you're in charge of your people and but you never encounter like what is to run a business out on the streets with real money that is not like backed up by a hundred thousand million dollar company <laughs> that'll be like, oh, this hotel is not doing that well. well that's fine. I have it all. Here's some money. We'll throw some money. Yeah, here's some money. Uh, you need renovations. Huh. There you go. Put it in your budget. <laughs> Literally, all, all I had to do was just like, what are we doing this year? Carpets? Great. Can you allocate $5,000 for carpets? Oh yeah, my no gosh. <laughs> yeah, but the other end, it's like, so it was, oh, it I was, need 5000 for right? carpets. Yeah, like, oh, sure. What else do you need? Oh, we're running low on Spigolo glasses. All right, $14,000. That's okay. Yeah, sure. Thanks. So, I mean, little things like that in the meantime, you got to justify it. And it was all within kind of the numbers that we were going for. That's fine because their rule is like, you if you didn't spend it next year, you're going to lose it. Yeah. Because the previous year they didn't spend this. I mean, they they were going okay with it, right? Without it. So you have to spend it. Now you take their own rings and your own restaurant and your own pocket. And all of a sudden, like a glass broke. Shit. I have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you mean? What do you mean? you? Uh, what do you mean? This maintenance stuff I had to pay for. 
what do I mean the first one? So those kind of adjustments on things, I mean, it was it was fun. It was fun. Uh, what, what were your biggest the, takeaways? The curve got a little... Oh, man, it was... It's been a great experience so far. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was kind of looking up, even if I was scrubbing the fryer in the morning with the music on and nobody in the restaurant, I was just like, it's my fryer. Good. We're going to cook on this fryer. Whatever I decide is going to go on this fryer. Yeah. I'm not going to have a head chef to tell me we're going to put this in the menu. I'm like, no, that, that's the shit. I don't like it. Well, <laughs> this is what corporate says. So we're going to cook it. Yeah. I'm like, fine, let's cook it. So now it's just like, I want chicken sandwich on the menu. Put a chicken sandwich on the menu. I'm selling mac and cheese. I'm selling mac and cheese. So it doesn't really... I didn't really understand how big of a decision maker I had to be. I think that was kind of the biggest, one of the biggest struggles before I was just like, I always had a support system so I can look back and I'm like, man, what do you think about this? And then I got a couple of different people to kind of, eh, you know, I've tried that before. It doesn't really work. This is your demographic. It doesn't really work or it does work. That's a great idea. Mix it up with this. This is your price point. Put it a combo, whatever. Right. Yeah. Over here is like, tell my wife, like, what about a chicken sandwich? Like, I don't know. You tell me. You're like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you like chicken sandwiches. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was fun. I mean, I, I'm blessed that my wife is like really independent and uh, a, a businesswoman on on her own mind too, and she pushes me too, and she kind of stayed the course with me. So yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky that way. But. Yeah, it was I can I can I can hear how passionate you are about your own entrepreneurship in general, um, working for yourself, um, mm -hmm. being self-sufficient, providing and not relying on other people or other means. Um, and I think oftentimes people think number one, the the limiting belief they put on themselves is that they can't do it. Mm -hmm. And then there's that topic of, well, you know, like your friends who didn't want to stay on the island and they're going back. It's like, well, it's not, it's not for everyone. How, what mm -hmm. would you comment on that? Because is is there truth to everyone should be self-sufficient and eventually open up their own business? Um, or yeah, what what are your thoughts on that? Because you, you found success in it. I've I've found yeah. some success in that. And I'd be- mm -hmm. But yeah. I, I truly believe it's not for everybody. I, I truly with- with uh being completely honest it's it's not true it's not it's not right for everybody even if you try some people really don't have an in them some of them are phenomenal employees and you also have to respect that for me it was just man i have friends that like i don't know how you do it and like well i just i just do it and like yeah but i i cannot live with the stress of not having my paycheck and and I get it, right? I get it. I was I was I have to kind of jump that hump as well, right? So, but I I think that's it's and and I I I don't I don't yeah it, not that I'm totally disagreeing with you because I feel like yeah. people have talents. Everyone everyone has a, a a talent. Everyone is really good at something. And if if and and it's not necessarily bad to say that you're like a you know, a support worker or just a really good employee. Like you make a difference. You matter. You are, you know, oh, no, 100%. those and companies needs those people. hundred percent. And I just, I just feel like the, I think the people that almost advocate against it or tell themselves that they can't do it. Or, you know, that, that one example, I couldn't, I couldn't live with all that stress. And I think, I think the, the part that kind of splits it for me is that, you don't want to, and that's fine. That's I right. think that's yeah. what it is. If you don't mm -hmm. want to accept that, but you don't have to put yourself in a position where you feel like, you know, you can't do it because if you really yeah. wanted to, you would find a way you would get over those humps. You would get over those battles and you'd be living mm -hmm. it. No, I, think, I think, I think that's what it is for me. I think that's what it is. Yeah. They don't, they don't, because they haven't been. Yeah. I think if they really where no left with any other choice they'll they'll make it work but they get they get comfy yeah they get comfy. and, and i think it 
yeah because i think the same thing too right like the if you've if you've worked really hard and you've you've created um even a remote substantial um financial position for yourself and your family you know it's not bad to enjoy those things it's not it's not bad to enjoy those finer things and then you know i think people would call that that you're comfortable and i think i think what's you know what's everyone needs to within their realm of their where they are in life is to find those things that make you uncomfortable regardless yeah. of your position right so even if you are just you know you you have aspirations to to own your own business and right now you're just an employee working that's fine but you have to take those steps to continuously push yourself to be uncomfortable, to increase that capacity to then one day when you have that actual opportunity or you take that leap that you can give it everything. Yeah. And also, I think they just kind of circling back to that. I think they haven't been exposed to something that really triggered that emotion to be yeah. like, okay, I I'm done with this. Yeah. I'm done with this. For me, it was... I was a director of uh, food and beverage at a golf course in Calgary, and that was that was that was phenomenal. That was one the last milestone that I wanted to achieve. Like I wanted to be a director of food and beverage of somewhere before I was forty. And like, fine, check it off. I was. It was one of the best jobs that I ever had. It was a private course. Members were amazing. I get to hang out with a lot of people. They let me do a bunch of things that I wanted to do. And yeah, you just, but my boss, <laughs> Jesus Christ on a motorbike. Yeah, he, he could have wake up the, the one day and everything was phenomenal. He's like, I'm going to let you do whatever you, you do. We hire you because of your expertise, blah, blah, blah. I set up something and he'll come in like, I don't know half an hour before a wedding a hundred people wedding we're doing banquets over there too and then he just looks i think we need to move that buffet table over there oh my gosh <laughs> i think we need to i think we need to move the um uh the bride and groom's table kind of more over there toward, toward the sun is i don't i don't really feel the feng shui in the room and that is, this is half an hour before the bride and groom are showing up. After That's that wedding, that was, oh man, after that wedding, that was when I bought the restaurant. Yeah. And you know, the, the thought that I just had was being a business owner or owning your own business. Yeah, there's maybe some other pros that you couldn't otherwise have um, just working as an employee in, in whatever sector, but it's still a job. So I don't, I don't think, I, I think the, the most common thing that I found um, that I kind of understood this was, you know, people just think that like doctors are like the smartest and like the most organized and like the, the you know, they, they're almost like another class of, of mm -hmm. people and they're not, they're, yeah. they're, they're just like everyone else. They, they have poor sense of humor. Some of them are, are athletic. Some of them are Very not. So show the awkward, yeah. Some of them don't pay their bills, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's the same thing. Like as a business owner, you're still, it's it, it that's your job. You just have a different position. It's and it, it, I think that's the same thing. So even as an employee, if you want to have a, if you want to have a better opportunity for you and your family, or if you want to make more money, do what's necessary to move up or create mm -hmm. a position or like whatever it is. Great. So I don't think it's any different. And even what you were saying too, right? Like um, that boss that you had. I'm I'm sure as a business owner and, and all of your other kind of business pursuits, you still have encountered lots of stupid people that still make you scratch your head and go, what did what just came out your mouth? How did that happen? No, no, no. Right. So I don't think you can actually like I don't think that, you know, starting a business or or buying one or running one changes too too much. You just have more control over the end that's result right. or or the vision. Of the vision, yeah. That's right. That's yeah, that's, that, that's that really helps. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one of the last questions that we always wrap up the podcast. Uh, it's a question on attitude. Mm -hmm. So I've I found I've I've taken lots of joy from asking this question 
um, from people with, with just different backgrounds, different positions, different life experiences. And um, it's, it's one of the, the, the main themes on the podcast. Um, so how has attitude affected your life? How has a, a positive attitude gotten you to where you are? And, and, and if you could touch on as well, how has a negative or poor attitude affected you negatively in life? Um, it, it's all about attitude. That's, <laughs> that's kind of the biggest things life is going to happen at, to you. doesn't matter what, where you are, how good you think you have it. Life is going to happen. It's just a matter of how, how you see it. I mean, it's still always a stupid example of like glass half empty or half full. Yeah, it's might be so cheesy or whatever, but it literally just goes into how you how you see life through your own eyes. For me, it was just at the beginning, my dad was, I mean, as great as as, as he was, he always had that like, well, if if it happens, it happens. Or even like, what's the worst can happen? Right. But he was always his 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 uh his his mindset of like what's the worst can happen? But on the but on the not going towards a positive side, it's just like, oh, what's the worst can happen? I remember like playing soccer and then we made it to the final, like, well, worst can happen, you end up in second place. But not with a let's aim for the championship. It's like, ah, <laughs> you already made it this far, worst can happen, you make it second place. Right. So I started being a little complacent uh, on those kind of things, and then when when I decided to make that switch in my in my mindset, I'm like, no, that's we need to make this work. We need to make this happen. We need to look myself in the mirror, like we we got to do this. We we need to make this work. We need to happen. We need to make this happen. So it's just a matter of how you see things through in in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Luis, I, I really appreciate uh, you sharing your story, sharing your thoughts. Um, huge shout out to to Taj um, for connecting us, uh, but also yeah. uh, I think setting us on a a nice trajectory of uh, personal growth. Um, right. He, he does wonders. So if you do need, uh, you should look up Taj. He would be uh, someone you'd, you'd probably appreciate connecting with. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. He. At least, yeah, I can speak for myself, but and I know you owe him a lot of things too. So, yeah, big shout out to Tash for sure. Well, bro. Um. Oh, give a shout out to your restaurant in Airdrie. Oh, well, this is from Abe's Diner in Airdrie, Alberta. So, yeah, hope you guys are kind of listening here and don't miss I think most most of our listeners are from Alberta, so th- this would be a good right. plug. <laughs> where Where is don't it? Is it on Main Street? In, uh, in um east uh sorry the um market boulevard sorry jeez okay <laughs> right on and at abe's diner abe's diner yeah and what's what's the best thing to get there what's one what's one of the things that you always sell out of oh that was probably my last creation before i end up in, end up in this journey it's called the heart stopper the heart stopper what is it so it's uh five ounces of uh, lean ground beef, uh, cheddar cheese, pork belly, an onion ring, two slices of bacon, pickles, jalapenos, and spicy mayo. Can't go wrong with that. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! That <laughs> my mouth is watering right now. You just saying that? That sounds amazing. Um, it's so, so good, man. If you're listening, go to Abe's yeah. Diner and get the Heart Stopper. <laughs> that is beautiful. Well, that's right, Luis. Thank you so much again for your thoughts, man. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Keystone Collective Podcast. We hope you've been inspired, learned something new, and discovered ways to elevate your life. Remember to subscribe and share the podcast. 
Our journey is just the beginning, and I can't wait to bring you more transformative content. Until next time, remember, every episode is a stepping stone forward to a better you. Stay strong, stay curious, and remember, it's a great day for a great day.